UNC won what I'm calling a defensive battle. At times, rock fight-like. Uh, I, I felt like I was watching Steelers-Ravens last night. The refs let them play. Yeah, they did. And and I kind of liked that. Like, let's just, let's just call a spade a spade. DJ Burns put his shoulder down a few times, you know, Kind of, kind of tush push like he was. He was just gonna make him pick up the yard by any means necessary. And and Baycott was given the opportunity to you know put put the forearm up, defend himself, and they just let him play. I like that. You know, it's funny. I was joking yesterday that you know some of those uh, rivalry games from the seventies must have been played like physical battles. They turned back the clock in PNC last night. Looked like Reynolds out there. But the other thing we learned outside of, I think it was a spirited game. I think at times maybe energy and effort took place or took precedence over clean play. It was like I'd rather win this this scrap than than make the, the prettiest or most efficient basketball play. You know, I think Ben Middlebrooks sold it a little bit, but uh, Armando Baycott with the shiver running down the the court in the backcourt was an interesting decision. Like like uh, that kind of stuff took precedent over the actual basketball at times. But from a basketball standpoint, you know, as of four days ago, I think there were the the four North Carolina ACC teams and Clemson, maybe Miami also. There was kind of like this top tier to the ACC. Since then, Duke and UNC separated themselves. UNC last night. I, I, we talked about it yesterday. We said in the ACC, Duke made a statement against Pitt. They looked really gosh darn good, and someone was going to get the chance to make a, a return statement. Well, UNC one-upped them because they beat a better team on the road in, in a raucous environment, and it was a rivalry game. UNC is, is you know, it's interesting. And, and I like that we were on this early as a show, uh, and, and we've talked about it. A lot of times you see a team in college sports kind of take on the image of their best player, right? If, you, if, if your best player – let me think of, let me think of this. Um, if your best player – we'll just look at some, some quarterbacks this year. Um, if your best player is Caleb Williams and you're in USC, kind of Hollywood, right? Highlights, big plays, taking chances, taking risks. If your best player is uh, Braylon Allen, uh, the running back from Wisconsin, the whole team suddenly is like ground and pound and no nonsense, and and it's you know you're not you're not saying anything to the media, and and, and you just take on the the image of your best player. Well, if you're looking at UNC, you're going, oh, does that mean they? Does that mean they put put up shots from everywhere, like? R.J. Davis, are they taking on the image of R.J. Davis? I'm like, ah, not really. R.J. Davis is really gosh darn good, but they're not really taking on the image of him. Okay, so I know what I know what's happening then. Rebounding and the down low. Hey, there's the Armando Baycott, all those accolades, the longtime career. They're starting to take on him image. I'm like, I don't think so either. They're not. They're not really doing that. Well, what is it then? Well, they kind of do whatever it takes to win. Harrison Ingram. The, the 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 wait a second you're talking about <laughs> I'm just gonna let you know this is gonna be a streak of the weirdest nicknames in college basketball but I've given them all to Harrison Ingram you're talking about the amorphous blob the I want, potpourri I want the these, shapeshifter I want these on shirts 
You're, you're, wait, you're, you're telling me about the silly putty, the Play-Doh, the guy that could be anything? The team is taking on his image? I'm not saying he's the best player. Maybe this is a team that's a little, little outlandish, and they're just taking on the image of their second or third best player. But they're starting to feel like a team that takes his lead. They're playing really gosh darn good defense, which is something that Harrison Ingram does. They're kind of, you know, waiting, looking at the game. A lot of their games in the ACC haven't been blowouts at halftime, but they've been double-digit leads by the end of the game. They're almost feeling out the game, saying, all right, what does this game, this flow, this tempo require of us? Then they're coming out in the second half, adjustments being made. Harrison Ingram had 19. Rebounds last night. Dennis, uh, it was funny. We were texting during the game uh, at halftime. One of my response or one of my reactions was, "Ingram has ten boards." It wasn't. It wasn't. I mean, it wasn't even halftime yet. It was partway through the first it was half. Like three minutes left yeah. in the half. It was. It was. Ingram has ten boards, and then at the end of the game, he sent me, "Ingram has more rebounds for any North Carolina player against NC State ever." Now, that rivalry has been played a lot over the years, and there's been some really, really good rebounders wearing Carolina blue in that rivalry. He has more rebounds in any game than any of them. Hansborough. I mean, just re- like this century, Hansborough, John Henson, Ed Davis, uh, uh, going back a little bit, Haywood might have been in this. Like, th- th- I mean, last year, Baycott had 18. Baycott. <laughs> Sometimes I forget. This is the same. The guy playing now is also the guy that's been a double-double threat for – 100 years um like they've had guys most of any tied with rj davis for the team lead in minutes let's hear a little bit from harrison ingram here he is on the physicality of the game and his first appearance in that storied rivalry i mean it was physical i mean it's a rivalry game the fans are yelling all type of stuff i mean it was a physical game it was good to play my former teammates uh, michael o'connell and the other team seeing him seeing my parents seeing some other guys from duke that i know it was just cool seeing everybody man it was crazy it was crazy walking out there an hour before the games fans yelling out stuff about me i don't even know how they know but you know it was, it was a good experience i i actually really like that and i like that he embraced it there i like that he wasn't like it was insulting how they spoke to me he was like i don't even know how they knew that stuff they were talking trash to me about I, 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 I like the atmosphere. Um, I, I, I didn't always love the gameplay, but I loved the effort that I saw from both teams. And, and obviously, UNC likes the result. Second half, they locked down their defense even further. They held the NC State to, to poor shots, missed shots, bad shots, a lot of threes, and a lot of threes that didn't go in. And, and they came away with the victory. Now, I, do want, I want to address this real quickly here. Um, obviously Dennis and I follow these teams, all the teams in the triangle, uh, as much as probably anyone on the planet. And, uh, one of the things I'm seeing from NC state fans in response to this loss is it's a make miss league, right? If you miss the shots, what, what do you expect? And NC state missed the shots. I think it's a little bit of that, like, you know, just a cold day shooting from NC state, but that's also not taking into account that UNC does this. Like, that's, that's part of what they do. Uh, NC State shot 9.5% from three. That sounds really bad. 9.5% from three is really bad. But last game, Clemson against North Carolina shot 5.6% from three. So, and was doubled that up. 
There's a trend now. The game before that in ACC play, uh, Pitt shot 17.2% from three against UNC. Sometimes it's the other team missing shots, and part of it is that. But you also have have to give credit for to, to UNC for forcing those tough shots and getting a hand up and closing out. And and uh, maybe the scouting report, right? Leave this guy open, not that guy. That alone right there will lower your, your shooting percentage based on your yearly averages. It was a sloppy game, but it wasn't a wholly terribly played game uh, by the winners. So don't take away the, the success that they did have. Give them credit. UNC looked like one of, if not the best team in the ACC, and looked like one of, if not definitely, a top three team in the country. And NC State, your leaks in the boat were exposed. Patch them by the next time you play them in, in the Dean Dome. Actually, patch them by your next ACC game. Let's be real. Yeah, do it by Saturday <laughs> if you're staying. Hurricanes and Hurricanes. Normally on Thursdays for the last uh, however many weeks an NFL season is, we've been doing cons and cons for the Panthers. What are we most con- concerned about for the Panthers? What are we most confident about for the Panthers? Uh, but with it being the offseason, that conversation kind of moves to the, the back burner. We now move to the Hurricanes. It's been hockey season for a long time, but now we focus in a little bit more. Just a little bit more tunnel vision. And of course, because I'm a fan of puns, it's not just cons and cons. It's hurricanes and cons. As always, hey, I got good news and bad news. Which do you want first? You always pick the bad news. Yeah. Dennis, what are you most hurricane-cerned about when it comes to, to Carolina? That with four days off between games, things cooled off. That hot streak they were on, the rhythm mm-hmm. in which they were playing, you know, every other day just about, or maybe maybe two days between if games, sometimes a back-to-back. Yeah. But they were consistently playing, and they got that recent hot streak. Then four days. I wonder if maybe things cooled off a little bit. We'll find out tonight. We'll find out tonight. But I think that's my concern, that the, the hot streak, all that mojo, kind of wore off. Um, mine is similar. Mine is that returning to the mean seems like a drop-off. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the, the power play statistics right now, like over the last month, they're number one in the NHL in power play percentage, right? It's like 40.6%, something absurd. Uh, and they're number one in penalty kill percentage in the NHL at like 92.6%. I'm saying like, like I don't have these numbers memorized. They are 92.6%. Um, that's outlandish. Pyotr Kochekov has been playing, I believe, above his level a bit, like better than you could expect. So even if they just start playing well, like ima- this is this is what I'm saying. Imagine a power play unit that scores on like 32% of their power plays and everybody's disappointed with that. <laughs> right? Which like, Oh, you only went one for three? God. Yeah, exactly. But that like part of the like that could happen because they've they've spoiled us so much over the previous month, essentially, that oh look at this, they've cooled way down coming out of that break. It's like, what are you talking about? They went one for three on the power play. How can you say that's a cool down? Well, it's like, well, they were going. Fine. Okay, I guess. So my concern is, is more with the narrative than with, with like, the actual play. Um, we know this is a good team, right? We wavered there with our own belief for a little bit at the beginning of the year. But you know the talent's there. If they just start playing like their talent says they should, I don't want that to seem like they're playing poorly. That just means they're playing like their talent says they should, not above what their talent says they should. 
Uh, that's her concerns. I'm going to say this 900 times just because I like the, the pun. Mm-hmm. What are you her confident in with the Canes? I'm confident that this stretch of games they have coming up, they're at home. And then and they this go is, for one road game, then they have a stretch of games at home again. They have a whole bunch of games coming up at home. So you look at just in the month of, of January coming up, they have five. Tonight's the, the next of six straight home games. Mm-hmm. Then they have to go to Boston for a game. Then they come back for two more. Then there's the All-Star break. Come back from the All-Star break. Three games at home, three games on the road, then three games back at home right after that. Tons of home games coming up for this team where this team is just better at PNC Arena. Like they, I, I may actually look up their, uh, their, um, I'm trying to remember their, their actually exact make, home record. While you look that up, I'll make your point a different way. Uh, 10, early, 3, and 4 at home. Ah, pretty darn 10, good. 3, and 4 at home. Pretty darn good. Uh, I'll make that point a different way, though. Earlier in the year, when things were going kind of, you know, snowballed downhill against Carolina for a little bit, it seemed like they were on the road every game. And, and you'd say, like, man, they can't catch a break every time. They're, they're going on another road trip. They're on the West Coast for X amount of days. They're in Canada for X amount of days. They're in Florida. It's like, gosh, they can't catch a break. Well, if, if being on the road when you need something to happen is not catching a break, well, they're going to catch a lot of breaks over the next 15 games because they're at home for most of it. So if you complain about being on the road, celebrate being at home and, and be thankful for being at home. Uh, my confidence, I try not to overthink this. Like 25 of their final 42 games are at home. That, be thankful. Yeah. My confidence is simple. Sebastian Ajo. Well, yeah. The guy. I mean, the guy is still like, can anyone in the NHL have a three-assist game quieter than Sebastian Ajo right now? Probably not. He has a three-assist game. Everyone's like, all right, Ajo played well. Mm-hmm. What, what did Coach Ekhoff do? Right? Yeah. What, what did Jarvis do? Oh, another power play goal? Oh, Was cool. it Star Wars night? Which, by the way, Which it, is, is it, it is Star Wars night yeah, tonight is. for the for the Canes. The force is strong with uh, that one. Uh, May the fourth line be with you. Um, it's 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 just Aho. He's just playing well, and and he's the the type of playing well that is raising the guys around him which is the best kind of playing well, right? He's the tide that rises all ships. So uh, so my confidence is, is Sebastian Ajo. By the way, I do want to uh, dive into this Canes game a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but first, uh, they put out their projected lineup. Uh, Faust is back, which we mentioned yes. yesterday was likely. Uh, but it is, as we anticipated, they're not going to mess with that Martinuk stall jarvis line. Uh, it'll be Lemieux, Drury, and Faust on the fourth line. What we expected. Air quotes fourth line. <laughs> well, I don't know what else. Well, it's may, I, I know. May the fourth line be with you. Exactly. For tonight, I'm, I'm doing it. I don't know what else to call them. The third scoring line? Like, I don't. It's a rod, probably, yes. That other line? <laughs> uh, is, is it like, um, we'll do the first line is Svechnikov. The A line is Bunting. The premier line is Martinuk, Stahl, Jarvis. And the deluxe line is Lemieux, Drury, Foss. So it's just all top shelf. Um it's, it's what we expected. Uh, it doesn't look like Natchez is going to be in there, again, as we expected. Uh, Kochekov, back in net, mm-hmm. again, as we expected. I'm just passing along information here. But looking at tonight's game, the challenge, all right, and, and that's it for cons and cons, but I'm going to start by referencing Dennis's concern. Uh, this is what he's concerned about, right, keeping the momentum through a four-day break. That is the challenge. Right. Let's be clear. The challenge for tonight's game is to not lose any momentum over the past four days to 
flip the switch and be back right where you were five days ago, six days ago, however long it was. Luckily, ready for this one, you wouldn't think Anaheim is an overwhelming obstacle in your pursuit of keeping the momentum rolling. Uh, Anaheim is the fourth worst team in the NHL as far as the standings go. They are the fourth lowest scoring team in the NHL and the 10th worst in the NHL at preventing goals. So if you don't score many goals and you give up a lot of goals, that's a good team to get your rhythm back, right? That's a good team to play against as you try to keep your momentum. So without Anaheim bringing anything special to the table as a team, at least based on their production this year, the Canes can kind of focus on themselves, right? It's not like you need some big elaborate plan. You focus on yourselves in this one. And I think the first period matters a lot. I'm not saying you got to go, you know, leave the period up three zippy, but it'd be, gonna do it. it'd be nice. I mean, if, if you're gonna, if you're just gonna, you know, six zippy, go ahead. Like, but, but I do think they need to play well early, right? Just, just takes a lot of the stress out of it, right? It takes a lot of the are do, do we still have the juice? Do we still have the touch that we had before? Just gets a lot of out of it gets gets a lot of that out of your brain, and I put that on three people. I put it on Aho. I put it on Svetch, and I put it on Kochekov, right? Coming out of a break, Aho, be aggressive. Score a goal. Everybody's like, oh, all right, we're good. Kochekov, don't give up a cheap one. I'm not saying you got you to be the, the best goaltender in the world, right? You don't have to go out there and be some superhuman, but just don't give up a cheap, cheap one, right? Don't start off on a bad foot. And Svetch, you're, you're the other guy, right? You, the other guy's more derogatory than I wanted that to be. You are the, the third guy of that, that triumvirate as far as knock somebody on their, on, on their behind, you know, and put them into the boards. Go do something to get everybody riled up. 